I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And I'm Phil Wolf of the Nefris Initiative. You're listening to Snakes and Stogies. The only podcast dedicated to fine tobacco. All things reptile related. And the people who love them. As part of the Repeticulture Network. There you are. You shouldn't tell people you have a delayed mouse. No, it just like it it works and then it like if I wake it up, I guess, after it sits for a few minutes, it's like whoa. whoa. Ah, nice. It's Logitech and it's technically not fully compatible with Mac anyways. It just works, but it doesn't work perfectly. But for twenty bucks, I'll take it. Cause it came with this this handy dandy keyboard that also seems to kind of work when it wants to but it's better than nothing you're a frugal professional <clears throat> i sure hello how are you doing welcome everyone young and old to snakes and stogies episode 104 you might notice something a little different about the screen here so i was i was gonna let you jump into that over in the corner above Phil's shoulder on the left uh, is Puget Sound Pythons, who we've all known has been an awesome sponsor. I do have shoes on this time. Thank you, Tim. Um, <clears throat> it's cold. And uh, they're awesome. They're a sponsor. You know, that's not changing or anything like that. But uh, so I do some side work for Black Box, full disclosure. I am like a pseudo employee of theirs as far as like social media management and stuff. But Jen said, we want to sponsor you guys. And we had kind of like, I know Phil and I have kind of gone back and forth on it for a couple of weeks now. Um, and so we finally decided to, to do it. So as you can see, blackboxcages.com is now the official THN sponsor. So you'll see it on all the shows um, across the board. Awesome people. Their products are phenomenal. If you've listened to THP at all, you know that me and Jake just, there's not enough good things we can say about the racks and cages we have from them. Um, you know, well, I'm, I'm, I was just telling Jeff and Kendra and, and the gang and the group, like when we do sponsorships, like I want to make sure it's something we actually like, like something right. we're actually behind and like black box wholeheartedly, their products are phenomenal. You know, their yeah. turnaround time is ridiculous right now. It's like two weeks, which is up there and probably some of the, like what top three, as far as cage makers return around time right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and they're and like, consistent and with that too. And it's not something that's just mass produced in high volume and just slapped together. You know what I mean? It's American made, uh, it's American family business. designed, family, small business, mom and pop, if you will. And uh, they rock and roll. Jake and I have been to their, they got a, a, a actual, like a, a warehouse not that long ago, like a legitimate sort of facility um, with their CNC machines and everything. And it's actually really impressive. And it's, it's so cool that, you know, they're able to do that. Uh, you know, they really kind of came in, came out swinging, you know, and they really, they haven't been around all that long. Um, it's probably been two years now, if I had to guess, as far as like so open market selling stuff. Um, but I mean, they've just been on like a 90 degree uh, trajectory, you know, just straight up. And Henry, you know, Henry said they hooked him, his uh, stepson up in a pinch, which was great. Um, they do periodically have some stuff that's ready to ship that they've built, you know, be it someone backed out on a sale or something. So if you're interested, they have a ton of options as far as cages, ton of options as far as racks. 
um, all phenomenally built. I like my V70 rack. I want to switch all my racks over to that because I've, I've mentioned it before, just how smooth they are. I don't have to worry about spilling water bowls. You know, they're just. And it's, it's, awesome. it's, it's good. You mentioned the, the seventies because so many companies, whether they're of craftsmanship or not, so many companies, they change the uniform norm. You know what I mean? And you have to use a specific type of tub that, oh, right. this one this one doesn't work. Well, it's the same dimensions. Well, but it doesn't really work because it's a couple mil off, a couple yeah. thou off, whatever. At least with Black Box, everything is normal sized. You know what I mean? Well, the nice thing is, too, is so they use Vision tubs, um, but they also make the rack. So if you want to use Freedom Breeder tubs, if you're partial to those, you can get the option for that. Uh, with the Freedom Breeders, you do have to buy them separately from Freedom Breeder. I think they're they're kind of working on getting that to where they have them in stock. But like Visions are kind of the uh, the standard. So the norm. Yeah. And uh, did they do anything for Cambro yet? I know it's not on their website. Not yet. Okay. I don't know what the plan is as far as that goes. Um, I don't even know what supply has been like for Cambro stuff. If that's something that's been an issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, we all love Cambros. If you're willing to spend the extra money on Cambros. They're phenomenal. I think they're worth every penny. They're going to last forever. Every penny. Um, but they are painfully expensive. So, Thanks, Herr Burke. Yes. Uh, so that's new. Black Box. Uh, please follow them. Facebook, Instagram. Check out their website. And uh, yeah, happy to have them. Jen and Clint are awesome people. Yeah. Um, like I said, been to their place, their facility, seen it. Everything's very neat and everything's very organized. It's a, it's a well-run machine. I like it. But, uh, what are you smoking tonight? Tonight, um, I actually, I'm pretty sure, let me clear my throat, excuse me. I'm actually, I'm pretty sure you gave me this because I don't remember buying it, but it's an Undercrown, the Unforgiven, and it says it's the... Oh, that's how Esteran, Yeah, Carrera. And, uh, I actually I grabbed this because I couldn't remember how old it was. I couldn't remember where I got it from. I think um, you'll like it. That's one and, of their better uh, ones. Yeah, it's Sumatra Toro Grande. Mm -hmm. um, and I was actually, I was going to grab it because it has, I'll show you guys the band. It's a really nice tra traditional underground band, mm -hmm. you know. But it has this, uh, these are bamboo? Is that what that is? Or is it cedar. supposed to be cedar? It's supposed cedar. to be cedar. I feel like it doesn't feel like cedar, though. So wait, does it say Unforgiven or Unforsaken on the label? It says Unforgiven. Ooh, that's an older one then, because they had to change the name. They're Why now did... called Unforsakens. There was a smaller company, because I asked our okay. rep about it, because we randomly just started getting shipments, and the, the name had changed. Okay. And he said there was a smaller company that I guess had gone to the PCA show um, the year before last maybe or one of the trade shows and they basically said hey we have a cigar name this can you guys change it and because i mean esteban's not a big company but the guy that owns it well he's he's cool he's like yeah i'll change it and he did it so yeah that's good that that means that's an older one so i'll bet you that thing is is uh on point fair enough i was well i was going to ask is because i always assumed that they're cedar because you know we use cedar sticks to light mm -hmm. cigars and so on and so forth cedar humidors cedar rooms but it's always so like thin and i i feel like they I feel like somebody's got to skimp on it. It's got to be like balsa wood or something. You know what I mean? No, no. It's but I mean, they use the sheets in the boxes to split layers and stuff. Some companies do. So, it, well, like the, I would say, like the, the real good companies. But when you're wrapping cigars by the thousands, you know what I mean? That's a lot yeah. of cedar. But yeah. regardless, my whole point was, I've seen people smoke the cigar and leave that on, and I wanted to know what your opinion of that was. I would never do no. it. But... 
Yeah. Like burnt cedar smells amazing. Right. Um, but as far as smoking it, I'd, I'd prefer not to. Um, yeah, exactly. It's great for lighting, but that's about it. Am I too loud? No, you're good. Okay. Am I too, cool. am I too loud? No, no, you're fine. I'm just, I'm still like cautious with this new interface as far as having everything dialed in where it needs to be. So it sounded fine to... on, uh, on THP. So, oh, yeah, you, you sounded good on THP. Um, I'm trying to figure out because I have this lovely boom arm from the the one and only beautiful Anna Maria, but I have it all jerry rigged, as many of you know. So I'm trying to figure out if I should keep it here or if this is too close, if I should like move it, it to here. If, is this too not? And I move it like this. And then I also feel like I have this thing in my face the whole night, but who cares? Because nobody's really watching us, you know? Yeah. I don't know. You'd be surprised, man. We have a, a good amount of people that watch these, I guess, either during or after the fact. Um, yeah. I, I was actually, uh, uh, not to toot my own horn, but uh, Nipper and I's new show, Venom Exchange Radio, broke uh, 170 listens in like the first four days. That's awesome. Yeah, so if you guys haven't heard that yet, go check it out. It's it's finally up on Google. It's up on Apple so and Spotify, of course. And uh, yeah, there you go. Thank you, Billy Jenkins. You're always watching, and we love Phil it. Phil sounds smooth, the podfather said. Oh, well, thank you, Herr Burke. Uh, so what are you smoking tonight? I have a LFD Capitulo Dos Chapter 2 can't see it it's the yeah. so there's a chapter one and there's a chapter two chapter two yes. is the colorado rapper with the maroon band and then the chapter one is the brazilian maduro with a dark black band both are phenomenal definitely something if you if you like them strong um and then i have some uh crown heads they have a like an everyday smoke kind of line like budget smoke it's like six bucks and change it's called the juarez and it's really good so is that is that their version of the um oh man what are those Drew Estate like leftover cigars? They all put the same band on. What the hell is that? Papa's Fritas? No, no. It's um, it's got it's a black and red band. It's got like big bold letters. Factory smokes. Uh, yes, factory smokes. Thank you. No, I don't know. Okay. These actually come in boxes, but dude, those factory smokes, uh, those are freakishly good for a three dollar cigar. Yeah. Like, and I I was telling. You know, Raj, the owner of the shop, was like, "Man, if there's anyone that was going to pull off a really good bundle cigar, it's going to be Drew Estate because none of, of the other companies are really going to take the time to to put effort into it to make it good. They're just like, yeah, it's it's a cigar, it's good, it's passable, whatever. Right, but right. Drew Estate, man, they and they have multiple sizes in like all the different lines. There's a Sun Grown, there's a Maduro, a Connecticut, and then a Sweet, so like an acid, more or less. Okay, okay. Um, the Sweets are actually surprisingly good too. I like those. I don't know why because I'm not big on flavored cigars, but those factory smoke sweets. Uh, maybe it's just because it's that darker wrapper that that Maduro. Uh, yeah, but those are good for three bucks. I'll smoke the hell out of them. Yeah, you can't beat it. The um, and uh, by the way, Mike Kosicki says that we're on the wrong side, <laughs> which I just realized is very true. Yeah, this is weird. It's kind of actually. I learned a, I learned a trick on on the YouTube the other day. Can you click and drag us? I like, think I can. Click and drag us. See what happens. Let me get my mouse to work first. Because I know if I try and do it, it's going to crash the whole thing. I also figured out why every time I figured out for there we go. Hey, there you go, Mike. That's for you, buddy. The uh, by the way, Everglades Rat Snake doing champion major growth spurt. Um, I realized why every time we do snakes and stogies for the past couple weeks, I haven't had 
to have you email me the the pin code because I haven't recorded anything with Nipper. So because when I record Nipper, I log out of this stream yard, uh, log into our stream yard, and it like resets everything. So that that's why. Yeah, so, yeah that's that's the one thing I kind of <laughs> wish they would fix as far as stream yard goes. The login stuff is just strange. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not just a regular login. Like you have to check your email and put in the code. Every time, uh, every time, every time. Yeah. So, um, Podfather asked what the best twenty dollars stick is, uh, and I'm the best twenty dollars stick currently. Hmm. If we're gonna, if we're talking about twenty dollar ish, so like I'll say between seventeen and twenty bucks. Sure, sure. Um, I would even even go to like twenty two dollars, depending on where you are. The Placencia Alma Fuerte and. Uh, they have the Alma Fuerte, they have it a Solomon, and they have a six toe, which is like a 60 ring gauge, but it's an octagon or hexagon. It's kind of strange. Um, those are good. Those are, I think, right. We sell them for like 20 95. Um, and then, I mean, Liga, Liga Privada, Monte Cristo white labels. If you want something light, yeah, you know, go for that, uh, that Churchill. To think I was going to say Dunbar tobacco and trust stuff too. Could you guys hear my dog barking in the background? I didn't. Okay, good. Because he's freaking out at Peter and I don't know why. It's not like they live together or anything, you know? Um, I was going to say, in my opinion, I can never remember exactly which one it is, but it's a Padron 1964. Probably the Exclusivo. Yeah, and that is like of all the cigars I smoke and like everybody who knows me knows I'm, I'm a number nine guy. Like that's like my go-to stick, but that Padron 64 with like the Woodward Woodford reserve double oaked is hands down my favorite pairing. I don't know why it's just, it's like, I think they're like 18 or $19 by me. The drinks probably the same freaking price, Yeah, <laughs> but it's, 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 phenomenal for me i don't know why i like padrones my main gripe with padron is that they are notorious for rolling their stuff pretty loosely so they burn fast they burn hotter mm. and they burn faster okay and maybe it's just because of like sort of my my palate and what i like but to me they're they're just they're a little too tame like, okay they're very smooth they're very mellow they're great for that you know is that natural rapper especially sure. um I just I don't know I like I like stuff a little more, a little more punch to it. Um, a little more pep Dun in their step. Yeah, the the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust stuff is also in that it, the Sin Compromiso. I don't know if did you ever have one of those? Yeah, you you gave me yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, those are phenomenal. That's a great smoke. Um, I'm trying to. I feel like I'm missing something. I'm trying to get this cedar band off without destroying it, so I could save it for my journal. And just take a picture of it with your phone. No, but I like to save the bands. I'm that guy. Oh, I have a uh, I have a, a box of oh crap. Now I can't remember the brand. Anyway, it's a bunch of Cubans, and uh, I kept the box because it was a nice Cuban box. And I every band that is like memorable or, or limited edition or whatever, I just throw the band in there. So I feel like I'm gonna pull this and it's gonna just explode in my hands. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Oh, my God. You're making me nervous. I'm making myself nervous. Oh, I got it. 
There it is. Yeah. The Unforgiven. It's now called Unforsaken. So if you go to your local shop, you're like, do you have any Unforgiven? They're going to be like, what? Yeah. I also, uh, Sad Panda, uh, my Zippo insert for my Snakes and Stogies lighter finally took a crap on me. So uh, we're back to the vertigo. I mean, I've got like three or four of them as backups just in case. But I was a little bummed, man. I was a little bummed. It, it died a little sooner than I would have liked. Premature. Yeah, especially since I, I only use it for cigars. So yeah. and I don't smoke nearly as much as you do. So I, I don't know. I don't really I, use mine a whole lot, honestly. Like I'm just I'm paranoid. I'm it's gonna fall out of my pocket somewhere and I'm gonna lose it. Yeah, and that's my thing is I leave it at home because I know like my keys or my wallet or whatever is gonna scratch it and ding it or whatever. So because I also have a million other lighters around my house in various places, like they're an emergency fire extinguisher or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean I've got like four cutters here. I've got like five lighters between you know this iron man iron man stick lighter <laughs> nice uh, you know i just they're everywhere you can never have enough of them such is the life of a tobacco user correct so while i light this up you want to tell them with the fine folks that are listening and are watching what they're getting into this evening uh well jake we tried to get jake to join us uh jake has covid again Poor bastard. Um, and where he is, he doesn't have um, a computer, headphones, or anything like that. And I don't think he wanted to use his phone. So we will have to do that at a later date. Um, but we were going to talk about sort of must-haves for herping. You know? Um, haven't been to Texas and doing road cruising stuff around here and whatnot. I just thought it would, it would be a good, you know, Phil being the prepper that he is. I don't know if I consider myself a prepper. I just like to be prepared. So, uh, all right. So on that topic, I keep a backpack in my car. It is not an end of the world backpack. I am not a prepper. It's a bug out bag. It's not a. It's not even a bug out bag. I don't call it a bug out bag because it's not for civil unrest. You know what I mean? It's what I like to call my "I have to walk home" backpack. So if God forbid Anna Marie and I are out in the middle of the glade somewhere, you know, taking pictures, trying to catch a sunset, something, and I my engine dies or I get two flat tires or something atrocious in that regard, I have supplies to either camp out for the night or walk my happy ass to the nearest highway you know what i mean or, or god forbid home um there's pretty good cell service in florida except for where we go herping so uh it's always fun when i have like friends from out of town or family visiting and they want to see the everglades and i'll take them out there and you know they'll be on their phone doing whatever and they'll they'll notice the bars drop off and then i'll be <laughs> like hey go on go on google maps or go on apple maps and you know, see where you're at. And it's just a green screen with a blue dot in the middle. And that's it. There's no roads. There's no nothing. They haven't, there's no, there's no, there's nothing on the map. You know what I mean? Which is the, the, which is why we go and do what we do. So yeah. But do you want to talk about that kind of stuff? Or do you want to talk about like snake hooks and, and buckets? And I mean, stuff all like of it. Like I had talked about, you know, we had a, we had a, one of those little first aid kits in Texas and it actually ended up coming in handy. Um, just with all the small like cuts and scrapes and shit that we got. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, just sort of general, general stuff. Um, you know, you and I are both uh, 
uh, firearms carriers. And I feel like that's something else that is, if, you know, depending on where you are and, and what's legal, I feel like that's something that's, uh, smart to have, you know, I've been out herping here and come across a group of dogs, like completely stray, like, yeah, like a legit pack of them. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. There's just been a handful of times where I was like, I really wish I had something other than the snake hook. Yeah. Oh, between, totally. uh, between raccoons and chupacabras and skinwalkers and, uh, Oh yeah. You know, dogs and stuff. I just something. So I get it. But well, like also what you keep in the car, you know, not just what you keep on your persons, but like stuff to have in your car. That's wise that maybe people wouldn't think of, um, you know, Keller said a machete. If you're in a, a thick forest, Yeah, the um, I think we can, <clears throat> excuse me, we can break it down into. You can break it down into certain aspects of herping, right? Because that's what we all talking about in photography and all that, right? Levels of hardcore, or the 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 levels of herping where it's like leisurely road cruising, and then right. Right, because even if you're leisurely road cruising, you could get, you know, t let's God forbid, two flat tires, you know, knock on wood, um, and you're stuck there. You know what I mean? And uh, I'll tell you, there was a story. Um, I was road cruising with two buddies, and we were in a very, very, uh, I don't want to say a heavily trafficked area, but the, the place was frequented by humans more so than many other places that we go herping, uh, mostly by people taking star photography or guys and gals fishing, you know, a family of four, they'll go out fishing for the afternoon and they'll stay and, you know, maybe have like a cookout, you know, on the canal bank or whatever. Um, and then there's people that just want to go see nature, you know? Um, right. So this was, uh, it was a Friday night in, in winter. I mean, it wasn't real winter, like the rest of the country. It's, you know, 80 something, whatever. And there was nobody out there, nobody. And we got a flat tire, but, and we had all the proper tools to change it. But because of the soil and the, the way that the road was tilted, the jack that we had wouldn't lift the actual pickup truck high enough. So we actually needed, we were using a scissor jack and we had, we had to get the bottle. Those are horrible. I know. I know. It was the one that came with the truck. And, yeah, those uh, are horrible. I know. And uh, I actually, it wasn't my truck. It wasn't my vehicle. And, uh, I went up calling a friend. We had cell service. Um, I well, first I called AAA to see if they had a truck nearby that had a bottle jack. And the closest truck was in Cluiston, and it wouldn't get there for five to six hours. Yeah. So I called a friend who was probably an hour's drive away, and he had a bottle jack, and he knew where we were because he's a Herbert too. And he drove out and met us. And I mean, we did the whole thing in an hour and a half. But had I not had cell service, we would have had to walk at least 15, 20 miles to get to like the main highway and hopefully flag somebody down. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, thank God for cell phones. So, but that also leads me to go back to like when we were in West Texas and it's the legit <laughs> middle of nowhere. And now I feel like the next time I do a trip like that, I'm not going to go without some kind of GPS transponder yeah. or a sat phone. I'm just not. Yeah. Yeah, and we had, I feel like after, after big bend, you know, that night when we were out walking around till, you know, midnight or whatever, we were all kind of talking about that of like, man, if this had happened, we would have been in serious trouble and like sort of yeah. going back and thinking of all the stuff we probably should have had with us. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I think like something like that. I think a jack other than a scissor jack is a, a yeah a worthwhile investment. A, a real tire iron, a bona fide four force pointed, you know, letter X tire iron, because that stupid little one that comes with the car is a waste of time. You yeah. can't get leverage. You can't stand on it. You know, it's it's dumb. Um, but I guess if we're talking about equipment that you just always have in your car, whether you're going, you know, to the grocery store or you're going herping or you're going camping or you're going bird watching, whatever you do. Um, I think that it obviously is going to be different for every person. Um, some people are going to prioritize things over others. Mm-hmm. Uh, one well, thing, the weather conditions and terrain are going to be completely different. For right, right, right. So again, I don't have to deal with snow and ice, so none of that's going to be a factor for me. Um, I will say this though: I always have multiple pieces of two by four because there's a high probability that I'm going to have to jack a tire up or add layers of some kind of traction because of sugar sand or wet sand. Or, Bartolini uh, sand, Bartolini sand. Yeah, well, I, dude, I'm I'm happy. I was one of the only cars that didn't get stuck at Cody and Pia's. That's like the rite of passage. Like, if you really want to make it to Carpet Fest, you have to brave the Sarlacc in the sand pit. Yes, yes, in front that's of the Bartolini why. compound. Yeah, yes, and Scott, I know that your middle of nowhere is very much the middle of nowhere compared to my middle of nowhere. You're Australian. We get it. We get it. You have an actual outback. Um, but yeah, I carry a spare set of a couple two by fours and they're not long. They're maybe 12 to 15 inches. And I've got like three or four of them in my car and I lay them flat on the very bottom above the wheel. Well, um, in case I just need extra traction, you know, um, I do have to applaud the back of your car is like, you have it all very neatly organized and yeah. And ready. Yeah. Um, I have a sterilite tub that is probably, a 44 or 45 quart. Um, it's big enough that I have an air compressor. I have a set of jumper cables, a roll of toilet paper. Um, I have a couple of road flares. I have some stupid, you know, Coleman Bass Pro Shops Cabela's safety survival nonsense that has like a compass and a space blanket. And it's crap somebody gave me, but, it, but it's in there. Um, a set of large industrial fishing needle nose pliers Mm -hmm. because if I have to rip a nail out of a tire and patch it, or I need to, you know, get, get into something where my fingers can't reach, or if I have to remove a hook from a fish's mouth, whatever it may be, I have those pliers in there. Um, I have a can of uh, chili that is just, expires in you know eight years <laughs> so god forbid and it's one of the ones where you have to you can pop the top like a like a dog food container so you don't have to use a can opener um obviously i don't you know leave that in the heat and the sun and stuff but when i'm going camping or i'm going traveling far away i'll usually throw one of those in there too uh, get your paper. hands on some mres uh, i have mres as well but they're disgusting so they are horrible they are horrible um and uh roll of paper towels you know um yeah, Steve Poole says zip ties and duct tape, of course. Um, I don't think I have duct tape in there. I honestly don't, which I probably should. But I definitely have zip ties, uh, cable ties, zip ties, whatever you want to call them. But all that stuff is in that 144 or 45 quart Sterilite tub with a gasket seal. That way it stays, you know, it doesn't get musty or whatever. Right. 
keeps moisture um, out. Right, right. And then I, I don't have it personally, but there's a lot of really cool Velcroed stuff that you can buy in Army Navy store or a gun shop or on Amazon where, you know, everything that I just said could be put into a little satchel and it Velcros to the felt lining of the inside of your trunk. Mm-hmm. So it's out of the way, you know, it's up against the side wall. Um, they make first aid kits like that. Um, so that's like kind of like the roadside kit with the jumper cables and the air compressor and, and the patch tire kit and all that crap. Um, and then I actually have a backpack that has uh, toiletries in it. Uh, no different than you'd pack if you were going to, you know, stay in a hotel for a business trip for a couple of days. I mean, I don't have like a big bottle of shampoo. I have a tiny little thing of, you know, body wash that you could use to wash yourself if you had bathe to bathe in the Everglades. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows where I'm going to be, man. I travel a lot. So, um, but I also have a full trauma kit. So everything from, you know, Israeli bandage and quick clot and f- crap smelling salts are in there. Uh, I actually have a paramedic friend who, who helped me, orchestrate everything in there i even have some uh women's personal effects need be arises um because they like to go camping too um and yeah that's kind of like the all-purpose medical stuff it it has a plus sign on it so people know it's also camouflage is the only camouflage thing in that whole trunk so you know people know if i say hey get the camo backpack that has the medical supplies with the band-aids and everything then they know that the only thing that, that they know the medical supplies of the band-aids are the camo backpack. Sorry, I'm rambling about that one. Yeah, I feel like that stuff's really important. You know, it's like just general first aid and like trauma kit stuff like you said. Um, Texas, I think, was a great example of that because how many of us ended up needing band-aids yeah. for one reason or another and usually multiples of them. Um, yeah. You know, terrain like that too, people fall break things you know it's just i'd rather have that's the general consensus i have with just about everything is i'd rather have it not need it than need it not have it um yeah i showed on instagram the other day i it's this little battery jumper it's from a brand called noco it's the gb40 i think is what it was and it it's a like a brick but it's a battery pack and you plug in a little short set of jumper cables and you put it on your battery and then you turn the the brick on and then it cranks right up. And I had that thing since hurricane Matthew. And that thing is that, that thing was a lifesaver. I use it as a lantern in my room because it's got led lights in it, like really bright ones. And those don't burn a lot of power, which is nice. Um, The thing holds a charge forever. Like there was a point I think where I had it in my car for like a year and hadn't turned it on. It still had almost a full charge. Um, you can charge phones and stuff with it. It does have the ability to plug in. Um, and it's, it's been a lifesaver. Like I did, I'm even for just being stranded in a parking lot. If my battery died, like on my old Toyota, <clears throat> there got to a point where I had to replace the battery and I just hadn't done it yet. So anytime I wanted to go somewhere, I'd jump it, bust out that battery pack. You know, you don't have to hunt someone down and say, Hey, can you give me a jump? You don't have to get the cars angled all right and get the, you know, have long jumper cables. Like it's, yeah. It's great. And I think that one, I want to say, was around 100 or 150 bucks. I got it for Christmas. Uh, and you can recharge that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. You just plug that. It comes with the, like a car, uh, car plug. So you can plug it in the cigarette lighter and, and charge it that way, or you can charge it through with a USB cable. Um, something like that is, I think, super, super important to have too. 
Um, once again, you know, I'm thinking Texas remote areas Yeah. where if you want to save yourself the hassle of walking 10 plus miles to the next, uh, available human being. Yeah. Oh yeah. Something like that for something as simple as a battery is a, is a lifesaver. And you know, those pliers, like I said, terminals come loose and stuff. A pair of pliers yep. will fix that. You know, there's just, yeah. I also I really have a, to the, uh, possibilities. Oh, hundred percent. I also have a full socket set for uh, both metric and imperial measurements. Um, that stays in that same trunk thing, you know? Um, and then there was another thing that I'm forgetting. I talked about the flares and the, Oh, I have a little mini solar panel. Um, that, cool. yeah, it's probably the size of like a very large iPhone. Uh, whatever the largest iPhone is, it's probably about the same size as that. Uh, mm -hmm. Probably uh, about three phones thick. It's about that thick. Um, my buddy Chris gave me that, and it has all the different hookups for micro USB, lightning cord, whatever it may be. So, did and you it also try has, it out. Did you play it? Have you tried it out? I did. Um, it does not store energy well. So basically, you need to have it out in the sun for a few hours, and it will charge a cell phone. But that's about it. I would not expect to like, you know, power a vacuum cleaner or anything yeah, off of it. Yeah. You know, that is my gripe with that Noco brick is if you you can charge a phone with it, but it's so slow. Like I'd leave it. I had my phone plugged into it overnight when we were hunger, uh, bunkered down for Hurricane Matthew, and I think it it still wasn't even fully charged by the time I woke up the next morning. But it oh, kept okay. it it kept it on, you know, and yeah. it was nice because I could just go and. At the time, I took my dad's truck and just left my piece of crap car in case a tree came down, at least to hit it, not my dad's like new truck. Um, and so I just plug it in my dad's truck when I needed to recharge that brick and then just pull it out and use it as needed. So, yeah, no, I get that. Um, yeah, and I also think it, there's also things that you get right before your trip. Like I made the joke about the can of, of chili, you know what I mean? If I'm going on a long camping trip, we're obviously going to bring food and beverages and everything else, but I will always throw that can of chili in there because you never know what happens, man. Animals could ransack your cooler. Nope. You know, the cooler could fall off the back of the truck on the highway. You know, like, you know, things happen. And if you need to eat it cold out of the can, you can. Um, but at the same time, every even if Anna Maria and I are going out to the, the cane fields just to do like a quick, like maybe three, four hour road cruise trip, um, we'll stop at you know, the gas station and get bottles of Fiji water, haha, <laughs> Fiji shout out. Um, we'll get bottles of water. We'll get sodas, snacks, whatever. And as long as you remember to do that, the same way that you remember to top your tank off, if you remember to do that, then you, in theory, you shouldn't have a problem. It's when you're going for long extended stays in the wilderness that you really need to map out everything in terms of rationing weight and food and all that jazz. Um, I also carry uh, a good change of clothing um, that is conducive to where I'm going and what kind of weather we're going to have. So if we're going out in summer and it's hot as hell, I'm going to have more than one pair of socks because I'm probably going to sweat through them. Um, and at the same time, I try to get, you know, merino wool um, or more of a, a more rigid cotton if I have to. Uh, that way I can dry them on my backpack or dry them on my shoulders while I'm walking, whatever it may be. Um, and at the same time, clean underwear, at least two pairs of underwear accidents happen, you know, <laughs> shit happens, pun intended. 
Um, and then obviously a clean shirt too. Uh, I use Vertex long sleeve shirts that are quick dry. Um, they're UV resistant as well. Those are the ones I wore in Texas. Um, and you can literally wring it out and it'll dry in like four or five minutes. So, yeah, I remember you talking about those. Yeah. And uh, pro tip don't wear all black. Yeah, yeah, definitely don't wear all black. <laughs> well, I mean, it depends on where you are if you want to get seen or not. You know, if you're in the snow, wear all black. <laughs> but yeah, I think that the, all that stuff, with the exception of like the food and water and stuff, all that stuff just lives in my trunk and it's all in convenient containers. So let's say I have to I have to use my trunk for something if I'm picking someone up from the airport or whatever. I can just grab all of it, throw in my living room real quick, and then after it's done, I just put it back. You yeah, know? that is the nice thing about a lot of that stuff is you know you don't need a ton of it, and a lot of it doesn't take up a ton of space, so you can easily get a lot you know into a like you said right. a forty quart something tub. Doesn't yeah. take up a ton of space, but you can fill it up with all kinds of stuff and all the different shapes and sizes of tubs. Now you can get something that's flat, you can get something that's more square. Yeah, um, and and let's not even talk about. Uh, all these different companies that are out there now that have trunk trailer bed lockbox organization. Mm-hmm. So there are copious amounts of companies that make storage, you know, for lack of a better word facilities for inside your trunk or your tailgate or whatever. Um, doesn't matter if you have a sedan or a pickup truck or what have you. Uh, they're discreet. They usually look like they're just one big box. And a lot of times they'll texture them to look like the inside of a trunk. So somebody's looking in your windows when you're not around you know, all they see is, you know, floorboard, so to speak. Um, they can be very expensive, but they can also be really cool in terms of organization, locking your things in there if you need to. Um, so definitely look into some of that stuff. Uh, and then one other thing is going back to environmental stuff. If you're going to be in a very hot environment, it may behoove you to take an extra container of uh, coolant. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you're in the snow, you may want to take an extra thing of antifreeze. Um, you may also want to take heat packs and hand warmers and things of that sort. So obviously, you know, where Justin and I live, it's not the harshest of conditions. So we don't have to pack as much as some of the other folks. Um, but then again, most of the people watching this probably don't go herping in the snow necessarily. So, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. What do you, uh, as far as like a, a knife goes, like what do you, what's your preference in terms of like everyday carry knives? You know, so what do you usually you get, again, get what works for you. Um, obviously abide by your state and local laws in terms of carrying a knife or carrying an edged tool or an edged weapon, um, and carry what works for you. Um, if you're strictly looking for an outdoor knife, and a fixed blade works for you, then go for it. That doesn't mean you have to have a giant knife like Rambo, but it should be something that is got a good handle on it and easy to sharpen. Be a so lot if cooler have, if you did. It'd be cooler if you did. Um, but again, there's copious amounts of brands out there, right? With all different gimmicky stuff, but find what works for you. If you want a fixed blade, carry a fixed blade. If you want a folder, get a folder. Um, Make sure that's sharp before you go anywhere. Uh, Benchmade has really cool knife. Uh, I don't carry it because it doesn't. It's not conducive to what I do, but it's called the Triage, and they make it uh, both in an automatic as well as just a normal folder. Um, it's a normal knife that is serrated. It has no tip. 
it's a, the tip is snapped off already and shaved into a chisel tip. So you could use it as a driver or a screwdriver mm. or a pry pick, if you will. Um, I know a lot of maritime guys, they buy it because they can cut rope with it. They can unscrew stuff. Uh, they can use it, you know, as, as a pry tool if they need be. And then on the other side is a glass breaker and a seatbelt cutter. So mm-hmm. it was actually, it was intended for, you know, first responders, but it, the amount of things that can be done with it is, is amazing. Um, Leatherman's and multi-tools. I'm highly considering becoming a multi-tool guy. I think it's nifty, you know, to have everything. Now, does that mean I'm going to walk around with a leather on my, on my belt? No, I work retail <laughs> sales, you know, like I don't need that. But when I go out in the woods, sure, I'll probably bring it along. Um, I carry a, an automatic folding knife in my pocket every day. I use it every day. I mean, I have box cutters at work too. I try not to use my pocket knife if I have a box cutter handy, but I find that in my day-to-day work, it, it, it does what it needs to do. It's a, it's a bench made. Um, oh, you bougie. You fancy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, find what works for you. If a $20 Gerber from Walmart that opens and closes and is serrated is that if that's what works for you, rock and roll, do rock. it. I have a Glock entrenching tool, yes. I had one for a while. I sold it. It's actually on a backpack that I don't even use anymore. <laughs> I keep a box cutter on my computer bag, mostly because Raj ends up pocketing the shop box cutter or putting it somewhere where I can't find it. Like yeah. he'll set it on a shelf or something, and I don't notice it because it blends in so well with everything else. So one day I said, screw it, I'm buying my own. And it's it's mine and mine alone, and it stays on my bag. Nice, good. Good. The uh, uh, Scott super saying, glue. yeah, Scott says needle and thread, super glue, Leatherman in a glove box. Um, I agree with all that. Uh, Five fifty paracord. Paracord is yeah, fantastic. Um, I have bright neon orange paracord because I am not a secret squirrel. I want people to see me. I want to be seen. So if I have to use it as a marker to see where I've walked, like Hansel and Gretel, or if I need to tie my own shoelaces, you know, it works. You can also split 550 cord and pull it apart in strands and use a smaller, thinner thread if need be, as well as the core actually lights on fire pretty well. So if you need to use that as some kind of you know, kindling or something, you can do that mm-hmm. too. Um, but 550 cord is cheap and works like a son of a gun. What about uh, do you have anything in your in your car for like fire? You keep like a flint or anything like that? No, because I mean, I always have a lighter on me, you know, or two lighters. I mean, I usually keep a Bic lighter in the door of my car because I lose my Bic lighter because I am a cigarette smoker. I lose it on occasion. And then I also have a torch for smoking cigars. So I usually don't worry about that. I, but I also have marine flares and um, there used to be a flare gun. I don't know what the hell happened to that thing. <laughs> Scott yeah. said tough to stitch yourself up with paracord. That would suck. <laughs> that is true. That is that is very true. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in that case, I would think just even if it's a small roll of uh, some heavy test fishing line, you know, not, yeah. the, not the nylon or, you know, plastic stuff, but the, uh, I don't even know what the hell the proper term is for it. I can't forget. I can't uh, remember. Don't stitch yourself with monofilament. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that makes sense, Scott. It does. That does. But then again, I don't know how to stitch. I don't. I don't know how to sew, but I don't know how to stitch. So I probably wouldn't be too keen on that. I figure if you have to, if you have to do it, you'll probably learn pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, but again, I also have uh, gauze and quick clot and Israeli bandages and wraps and all kinds of trauma crap. So, and yes, your Walmart venom extractor. A funny story about the Walmart venom extractor. So I saw one on the shelf here the other day, and I was like, "Are we still selling these things?" Like, these are still- <laughs> yeah, they're still a thing. Um, from what I hear, they actually work pretty well on certain mosquito bites. Um, so I got one of those as a gag. Somebody gave me one as a gag gift, and when I moved my late mentor's collection from Florida to North Carolina, I drove up, and then they flew me back, and. I had brought that with me and inside that kit has a, uh, a single blade shaving razor, right? Um, it's, it's a big razor, but it's just a really crappy one. And I guess the idea is you're supposed to shave the area before you extract it because the hairs in your arm, they'll, you know, inhibit break the, suction, seal. Yeah. Right? Break the seal. So I had that in my, I only brought a backpack with me because I was you know only going up for two days and, uh, I was leaving this little tiny rinky-dink airport in North Carolina to go down to Atlanta for my connecting flight. And it was literally one, uh, it was like one little building with one little runway. It was one of those things where you had to like walk the stairs up to the plane, you know? And, excuse me. And the TSA woman, she says, do you have a razor in your bag? And I said, yeah. And I mean, there's literally like four people in this airport. And uh, I said, yeah, it's, it's, I'm, a, I'm a snake handler. And that's part of a venom extraction kit. And she's like, what are you talking about? I said, I'm a snake handler. I catch snakes. And, you know, this tool is used for sucking the venom out. But you have to shave it first. And she was so enamored. She's like, that's amazing. Okay, no problem. Cobras too? Yeah, well, she's like, that's amazing. That's fine. All right, you, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was like, okay. Speaking of, you know what's wild is the multiple airports I was in when we went out to Texas. I had my computer bag with me. I had a nice pack of brand new razor blades like for a box cutter and not a single person caught it or said anything. Completely forgot it was in there. But I find it funny that I went through however many metal detectors and different airports and no one said hey you can't have this and it was literally like a 50 pack of f and razor blades that's hilarious i have a, I have a similar story uh <laughs> i was leaving las vegas for business and we i can't remember what the, what had happened but our plane was either delayed or we we had time to kill so we went out to the desert and met some people and we're shooting belt fed machine guns and as one does when they need to kill time in the middle of right i mean when you're in vegas on business that's what you do and uh we were it was cold it was like january so we were like ah whatever we'll just we'll go and do that and we left our luggage at the hotel and we came back excuse me and uh we came back and went to the airport and all three of us get picked for the puffer tests you know for the bomb explosive stuff (laughs) And all of us kind of look at each other like, oh, shit, what did we just do? We are stupid. Like, we are really stupid. And they walk over and they, like, spray your hands with this chemical. And then you, they put it in this machine and they blow wind. They blow, like, puff air at it. And all three of us came up as negative. 
And we're like, okay. So clearly, profiling. Okay, clearly those tests do not work. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, so dodge, dodge the bullet, you know, metaphorically. Metaphorically. Yeah, I mean, I asked about like fire and flints and stuff, just because I'm thinking, you know, like torches, smaller ones, simpler ones. Of course, I don't have. You know, something like this, just a simple single torch. Like, that's not going to last terribly long because they, you know, being torches, they do go through butane pretty quick. You know, especially smaller ones. Bix, you know, these are a little more wind resistant than Bix are, or a lot more wind resistant than Bix are. So I wasn't sure if you were, you know, you had something in particular as far as um, like those endless match things. And no, and, and I'm actually. I've been thinking about a lot about that lately. So when we do our little fires out in the glades, when it's chilly out and we want to, you know, have a, have a beer and sit around the fire, so to speak. Um, I really should get some of those, it, those little like cubes that you pull apart the filament and it just lights, you know, mm-hmm. and they float on water and whatever yeah. else. Um, and I plan on getting one of those, but I, I don't, I'm torn because I don't want to be that guy, but at the same time, I can't always be the old FUD who says, oh, I can make a fire. Watch me make this fire. Because who wants to fumble with that? Well, I'm not even thinking of like, need to. yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I was like, I don't yeah. know if I'm good or bad at making a fire. I want to, I just, we need a damn fire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and don't get me wrong. I've been in a, in the rain camping in the torrential downpour where I literally have a poncho over my body and I've cleared away like a six inch circle of dirt where I have a little bit of, of dryer lint. Yeah. And just to kind of get the kindling going and kind of warm it up and literally just like taking a hand towel, wiping away the moisture from around the outside of it while I'm just getting beat down with rain. And I should have just had one of those stupid little cubes. (laughs) You know what I mean? But I mean, crap, they didn't invent, they didn't invent them back then, you know, especially if you keep blowing on until you start getting dizzy. Yeah. Right. Pain in the ass. Yeah, <clears throat> but again, we're we're talking about survival crap. Yeah, you know? yeah. the whole point of this is is the stuff you bring to make your life easier when you go out herping, right? And I think that food and water are obviously a pro. Make sure gas is topped off. Make sure you have things to prepare for unexpected weather, i.e., layers or raincoat or umbrella or antifreeze or coolant or whatever you may need um a gopro so you can record your last words as you get lost in the desert right yeah um and then the the biggest thing light having lights having lights that work having lights that work very well um whether you call it whether you call it a flashlight or a torch or a headlamp or however you want to call it have multiple lights because when you're doing everything we just talked about and you can't see anything, that's when things become very, very difficult. And everyone says, oh, I have a light on my phone. Yeah, light on your phone only works if your phone works. You know what I mean? Um, It works for about four feet. Right. Um, I always have at least two lights in the vehicle, a headlamp as well as a handheld lamp. Excuse me. I got a frog in my throat tonight. And I have to add to that real quick. If you're going to get a headlamp, I highly recommend not getting one that's rechargeable. Yeah. 
because I had that in Texas and it was it would last a while, but it did not last very long in between charges. Yeah. So I'd have to charge it in between stops and it got really old really quick. So I highly recommend, yeah, even if it takes like the crazy expensive CR2s or whatever, that's still going to last a hell of a lot longer than a rechargeable one will. And the rechargeable ones, like pretty much anything else, just eventually just get worse and worse and worse as time goes on. So yeah, that's going to be, that's, that's one of the big things that I, I would have done differently, you know, before Texas and, you know, get another pair of, check your boots too. Cause I got my boots and went to go bust them out and forgot that my dog had chewed on one of them to where it was unwearable. So I had to, we had to stop and I had to get a new pair of boots. Oh yeah. Um, and just touching base on the, 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 the head torch stuff. So do your best to try and have something that is, and yes, Scott says headlamps are crucial for venomous. You need both hands. So you shouldn't have to hold a, a torch or a flashlight. Um, Make sure that when you're shopping for your flashlights, you don't have to have the crazy expensive stuff, but you also shouldn't buy crap. You know what I mean? Um, I would say, regardless of whether you're using AA, AAA, CR123, you know, N-Type, one-third N-Type, whatever it is, buy the same batteries for all the units, right? So if I have three flashlights for my camping trip, don't don't have one of them takes a, a CR123, the other one takes a AAA, and the other one takes D batteries because it's just more crap you're going to have to load. Um, make sure they all take the same battery and then have extra battery cells. Have extra batteries. Even if it's a big box in a, in a Ziploc bag or you dump them out in a Ziploc bag, whatever, have spares because I thought I had enough batteries to last me all of our Texas trip. And on the last night, my my ran out so i mean it, it panned out you know i i did my my forethought appropriately but next time i know to do what we did i'm gonna need at least two four probably six more batteries just in case so be, be mindful of that you know? yeah i actually think that late night that we were out i'm pretty sure on our way walking back my torch had died like i didn't even i was following julander yeah uh, Burke maybe or someone that had light because mine had died so yeah I got mine from Walmart it was like 20 bucks and it, it was stupid bright like it worked great in terms of like output and stuff but I just whenever I buy another one it's not going to be a rechargeable one it's going to be one that yeah the batteries may be super expensive but they're still going to last you know yeah and and here's the other thing too so like I almost all of my lamps use CR123s um, most of my stuff is tactical stuff, Streamlight, Surefire, those companies. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, that damn frog. Um, I buy Surefire CR123s by the box. So if you go to Walgreens or CVS and you buy two CR123s that are Energizer brand or RC brand or whatever they are, it's like $9 for two. At least. I think they're actually more yeah. than But if I buy Surefire brand, buy the box of 12, I think it's $24 for 12. Oh, that's not bad at all. Yeah. So, and you can buy them pretty much anywhere. Hmm. Um, obviously, gun shops, pawn shops, the tactical type stuff, the police supply store, they're going to have it. But I'm sure you can find them on Amazon. I'm sure you can find them, you know, Walmart online, something like that. But I was unaware there was me. a cheaper option. I always assume you just got reamed. Anytime you needed them. No, and that's the thing is that they, the companies like Energizer that are selling their product at Walgreens, 
they're not expecting that type of clientele to right. yeah you see what i'm saying yeah so there is always an options and i also have uh, back in the day surefire used to make a uh, battery cell holder that had like a little lanyard on it and it was airtight and watertight so what i'll do is i'll get that box of 12 and it holds two four six it holds eight batteries in the, in the cell holder um, and I'll put eight in there. And then as I'm dumping them out of my headlamp and swapping them out, I put them upside down. So I know which ones are dead and which ones are good, you know? And then when I get back to the hotel or I get back to the campsite, I'll dump out the, the, the dead soldiers, so to speak, and then put new ones in. Well, how, how long do those usually last you in, in your headlamp? Cause yours was serious. Like I remember yeah. yours, was, yours was hardcore. Um, it depends on how powerful you have it set. So like mine has three power settings. I have five lumens, 20 lumens, and 600 lumens. Um, sorry, man. My throat's uh, all froggy. Um, ribbit. 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 So you have more powerful stuff now. My headlamp is probably four or five years old at this point. Um, the same unit that I have, which is a ProTac HL, uh, I think now is like 1100 lumens, but at the same time, it's ridiculous. It, you don't necessarily <laughs> need, yeah. you, you have to look at not only the candela, but you have to look at the power of the lumens in relation to what you're doing and how long are you doing it for? So for example, like I think my headlamp on, on five lumen setting is like, eight hour 12 hour runtime but mm -hmm. if i push it to maximum power it's only going to stay lit for like an hour and then it's dead that's crazy so what i would do is when we were walking those cuts um obviously it's turned off in the car the minute i get out i click it onto five lumens just so i could see you know what's my feet yep. in front of me and then when we actually see something or i get to the cut i can shine real quick and just hit it at a, you know 600 lumens look around okay i don't see nothing downshift you know and go about it that way. Pool had another uh, nugget of wisdom here. Mm. He said a quick tip for uh, 186.50 rechargeable batteries. A 12-gauge shotgun shell case will store them, and you can use the orange Coleman waterproof match case to store a single on the go. Oh, that's brilliant. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, because that's because those uh, 186.50s, that's two CR123s, and they're micro USB rechargeable, correct, Steve? That actually makes a lot of sense too, because you figure a standard two and three quarter inch twelve gauge is seventy millimeters, which is probably the same size as those eighteen six fifties. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, because come to think of it, I have, I think I have two flashlights that use uh 18650s with micro usb and it always drives me crazy because the micro usb it takes so long for the damn thing to charge that i get annoyed and i just throw it in the car and just put normal i just put two non-rechargeable 123s in there just because I, I get frustrated you know what i mean but yeah long story short have lights have batteries make sure they are of quality um I'm not a big fan of a lot of the newer stuff made that's made overseas. Um, I'm I'm getting curious about mod light. Um, I have some cop buddies that swear by them uh, simply because they're they're polymer uh, housings, 
and I have a cop buddy who has, they have like this weird like ring that is attached to the back of it. And I guess you slide your finger through it to kind of hold on to it. And he fell and landed on his fist and it, the plastic broke. And he said that if it was metal, he would have broke his finger. So little things like that, I think make a big difference. But at the same time, I like metal headlamps. I like metal flashlights that are handheld because I ding them and bang them and all kinds of, I had a Streamlight ProTac one that fell out of my pocket on an open doored Grumman tiger on the runway and it bounced down the runway. And when we landed like six hours later, it was sitting in a puddle in the rain, dinged up, scratched up. I guess other planes had driven over it and it still turned on and worked. So, um, do you want to talk about hooks or do you want to talk about <clears throat> force multipliers? <laughs> Whichever you prefer. I don't know. I mean, I know like the the firearm thing is going to vary a lot per uh, state and city and county and, and things right. like that. Um, obviously Phil and I are down in the South, so that's typically not a problem as long as you are legal. Right. Um, personally, I carry pretty much every day now that I have the, uh, 43X, the Glock 43X that, that Phil was kind enough to send up via my wife for my birthday. Um, before that I was carrying a 20 Glock 27, which is a 40 cal. And I'm not as crazy about that as I am about the, uh, the new 43X, which I actually, I, I friggin' love. I can't wait to get get more time behind it good um i don't know man it's not like an insecurity thing but there's you 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 worry a little less when you uh when you're keeping something on you especially when you're out in the in the wilderness yeah and uh it also i'm gonna clear my throat more time i'm sorry the uh it comes down to your training level yes as well as your comfortableness of where you're going to be and what you're preparing for so in the southeast i can confidently say without sounding like too cocky there really isn't any animals i'm afraid of um we have black bear we have panthers we have bobcats we have coyotes in packs um I'm more, I'm honestly more afraid of a pack of coyotes than I am of a black bear, and I've I've gotten way too close to black bear in South Florida, and um, we don't even have those here. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, and like They're twice my twice my size, you know. But at the same time, all these animals. Maybe it's because I'm into animals. Maybe it's because I hang out with animal people. But I don't really. <laughs> is his venom life coming out with a real venom magic, life but, bayonet yeah right um i i'm not i'm i'm not really i'm not carrying a firearm for those animals i'm carrying a firearm for two-legged animals because i'm in the middle of nowhere and the only people out there are going to be hikers campers fishing or fishermen fisher fishing people excuse me um and people doing shady shit um the Everglades is known. I mean, one of the places that I traverse the most is the Miami Canal region. And that canal was literally Smuggler's Alley. Drugs, 
you know, people, vehicles, whatever they were transporting. And there's still a lot of shady stuff happening out there. So I carry a firearm that's catered for people, not for a grizzly bear or a Kodiak or a mountain lion. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's not my intent. So if you live in those Alpine regions and those are the things that you're dealing with, or that's, those are the things you want to prepare for, then obviously you're going to carry a different assortment of tools than I would. So, but that being said, regardless of what you're carrying, you need to train you need to train and you need to also have situational awareness to the best of your ability. Even if that means taking a class on situational awareness and, you know, we all go to the gun range. We all stand at the indoor gun range in the little cubicle and we shoot at a non-moving paper target. And that's not life. You need to train. You need to get outdoors in an outdoor range with an actual instructor with reactive targets, whether they be steel or moving or self-healing and, you need to train for what you're in theory preparing for. So it is, it's literally like a martial art is the way I look at it. Yeah. 100%. You know, I, I was in martial arts for a while in high school and it was all about muscle memory and, and being able to do things without, but doing properly without thinking about it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know for me, like, I mean like wild dogs, random dogs, feral dogs if that's what you want to call them strays um that's kind of my big thing at least you know we don't we have bobcats here i've never seen one i've heard coyotes but i've never seen any uh but i don't know it's just one of those things where it's you you worry a little less sure you know and i mean a lot of times like i mean like a pack of coyotes if you pop off a nine mil into the grass yeah they're gonna they're gonna shit a kitten you know or it may rile him up. My coworker, he's just getting into, you know, being an outdoorsy person and he's a city guy. And he started going down to, to, uh, uh, big Cypress, uh, on his own just to kind of get a feel for it. And he's driving down one of the main roads where like all the people go camping. It's like a, it's like a nature trail, you know, and he's on in his vehicle, he's in a truck and this Bobcat comes out and starts like meowing at him. So he rolls down the window thinking it's like somebody's cat. And he's like, what happened to your tail, buddy? You know, like he's video, he's, he's filming with his phone. Jesus. And the thing just looks at him and starts like growling at him. And he's like, I don't think you're a house cat. And like rolls the window back up. And that thing was completely fearless of his vehicle, completely fearless of him, probably because it was on a main tourist trail, tourist road. It probably gets, you know, probably gets fed by somebody and things yeah garbage whatever marshmallows and uh but that right there is something that nobody ever thinks about too is yeah most of the time wildlife is afraid of us but there is occasions when wildlife has encountered humans to the point where they don't care and you're the next meal whether they're going to eat you or what you've brought with you to eat you know what i mean um and that's some of the things that you got to kind of remember. And the, I think my favorite thing about this event is that it single-handedly reminded him or taught him that he needs to look up Florida's wildlife and learn what's what and learn as much as he can about them. You know, so it was a, it was a blessing in disguise because now he's going to be a better, you know, outdoorsman, if you will. 
because now he's going to learn what's what and know that, okay, I'm in the woods. This thing has no tail. It's not a pet. Well, that's kind of the goofy thing too, is I have, I have maritime cups in my 27 and all my friends are like, what do you need those for? I was like, because what if I end up in a swamp and there's gators around and I gotta <laughs> like, I gotta get in a gunfight with a gator. Yeah, exactly. You and Aquaman take I'd it, rather take have it. them and not need them than need them and not have them. Right, right. It's not like it was cost or labor intensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone was hating on my maritime cups, man. Like it's legit. It's real. It's real. I didn't know they made them for the forty-three. I don't have them on the forty-three, but I have them. Oh, on the okay. I can get them oh. for the forty-three. Like I know they're there, but oh, okay. I'm slowly nice. making my adjustments. Billy Jenkins says that Panthers scare him. Um, I am not Bobby afraid. Team. Yeah, right. I am not afraid of Panthers. I'm afraid of mountain lions. Mountain lions are very different than panther. Um, panthers are terrified of everything. Um, but I will say one of the only times I've ever had the quintessential, you know, hairs on your neck story um, was when a couple Herber buddies and I found we thought it was a bobcat and we start like following it so that we can try and get pictures of it. And it turned out to be a Panther kitten. E. And we were like, Oh shit. And we stopped and like, we were on a, a, like a hiking trail and we just started backing up because we knew that like, where's mom, you know? And then we started to hear mom, which is terrifying because they don't make the traditional big cat growling or purring. They make like a whistling sound. Mm-hmm. And it almost sounds like a, a like a like a predatory bird, and they that whistle sound, and you're just like, oh shit, where's mom? And like we just backed up, and when we literally backed out to the vehicle, you know, looking behind us with the flashlight, and uh, we never did see mom, but that was that was scary. I Couldn't won't lie. Have been yeah, man, and that that bird sound is so weird. If you guys ever get a chance, go on Google and. Google Florida Panther sound, and it's like this rapid whistle. It's very, very impressive. Dude, so. you ever heard foxes? The yeah, horrible man. sounds they make. It's freaking oh, terrifying, yeah. man. If I heard that in the the darkness of of the woods, I'd be out that bitch in a heartbeat. Do you remember the Mel Brooks movie Robin Hood Men in Tights? Yeah, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna fox him," and they let the fox go, but they play the sound of Flipper. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie. So good. Hey, Blinken. Hey, Blinken. You say Abe Lincoln? <laughs> it's like one of Dave Chappelle's first movies. Yeah. Sir, you lost your arms in battle, but you grew a nice set of boobs. <laughs> He's feeling up the statue. Uh, what are you doing with hooks? How many hooks do you keep in your car? I have, I think, oh my God. three or four in mine right now, and I just got... Uh, my field hook from from Woody and Brent. Nice. Uh, I've got right now. If I walk over to the car, I've got one, two, three. Hold on. I've got a black Zegle. I've got a stainless Zegle. I've got a field hook that I'm pretty sure was made by him as well. I've got a set of M1 tongs. And then I have my custom-made Venom Life gear that Woody made me. 
and then I also have right actually no and I have a Venom Life gear that with a, a lavender handle that's Anna Maria's that I think she has it in her car right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that all those live in my car. So I've got that field hook. I have that custom one as well. You got the same thing with mm-hmm. the Duke grip. Yep. Um a Midwest hook, and then I keep one of those smaller Viper series hooks. I think no, is it what the ones with the colored shafts? Yeah, that's why that's gonna be is, or it? is it your is it a Neo hook or is it a Viper series? It might be a Neo hook. Neo is really small. tiny. Okay, then it's not. It must be the Viper series. It's the Viper, yeah. Yeah. And that's just handy. Like it's nice if it's something small. That way I don't, you know, I keep that between my seat and the console. That way if I have to hop out. Um and I'll even use those on bigger snakes. Like if I see a bigger rat snake or something, like I've used those on the, the Jansen eye. <laughs> it's a little tough. It <laughs> makes things a little more interesting. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, they work. Yeah, man. Billy Jenkins wants to know how many we take on a walk. Um, me personally, um, I will, depending on where I'm going, I will take the my custom Venom Life gear and my M1 tongs. Those M1 tongs, man, they are just phew, the best. For, for what they do. You know what I mean? Uh, when we were in West Texas, um, I brought extra hooks because better to have them and not need them than need them to not have them. And I'm, I also brought the M1 tongs, and I'm glad that we did because I think I wound up giving all my hooks to everyone else. And uh, and I wound up personally using my field hook for everything uh, and then the tongs if we came across a rattlesnake. So, Yeah, now that I have that field hook, that's going to be kind of my, my primary... But, yeah, uh, it just it just makes sense to like it, its name. Its name is what it is, you know. So, because I have um, that that Palamas hook, you know that Mike Clarkson model series, but that stays in my snake room, and I feel kind of dumb because I feel like that's like that's the one I should have in my car because it's got the reflectiveness and all that other yeah. stuff. And, yeah, but well, I wish I still want a way to mount those in the back of my car. Yeah. And that was my next thing is I actually have uh, for a short while Venom Life Gear was making uh, hand their hand stitched. I guess you'd call it a travel bag. Basically, picture a golf bag, but floppy, not rigid, you know, and all your snake hooks slide in it and they're weighted at the bottom with reinforcement so that the tip of the hook won't puncture through the fabric over time. And they're 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 kind of bell bottomed so that you know the hook head isn't smushed in there pulling at the fabric. Um, I have one of those that that I got from Woody, and uh, that's great if you're schlepping it all to the campsite, but you wouldn't necessarily want to keep it on you for hiking. Mm-hmm. I would I feel like it'd be very cumbersome. It's basically a giant sheath, or um, actually, it's like a quiver. It's like an, an arrow yeah. quiver. Yeah. Um, I just. Yeah, I just I want something I can attach to like my back seat mm. so that if I see something on the road, I can just grab it and go. Well, I have, so my custom hook is 36 inches overall length. And I keep that in the front seat with me uh, against the door with the handle in the A-frame of it, like right here, you know? Um, and that way if I have to jump out of the driver's seat. I have my hook right there with, with at the ready. And then if I need something out of the trunk, like the M1 tongs or a baby hook or not baby, excuse me, field hook, um, I can have whoever's with me, Anna Maria or whomever, you know, and I say, hey, you know, grab me the field hook or grab me the tongs. And, you know, they know what's what. 
Um, so that leads me to my next point of, do you have any containers for keeping things? Um, there was a point where I was keeping, I have a five gallon bucket with one of the screw on lids that has a big label that says venomous. And that's what I used to use when I was keeping, you know, the Aatrox and stuff. Cause that's what I would put it in while I was doing cage maintenance. Yeah. And, uh, I was keeping, it's right here. Actually, I should put it in the back of my car again. Um, but that's, that's handy. Yeah. I, just, I need to get some ventilation in it. Yeah. So the, the buckets that we did in, um, in West Texas that I made before you guys all got there. Mm-hmm. So that I basically did the same thing at my home now. So I ordered on Amazon. It's a seven gallon bucket. So it is two gallons more than your traditional Home Depot five gallon. And obviously I'm not putting volume of liquid in there, but it's taller, much taller. And not only is that going to be easier on my back if I'm bending over to do this stuff, but it also is just that much more that a snake can't climb out. Right. Um, yeah. That so, was a sketchy part with like the, uh, you know, the black tail and stuff like that was getting the lids off and right. Doing it. Right. So minimal I, human skin contacting. On them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I have the, uh, the seven gallon bucket, uh, same labels, you know, danger, venomous reptile, do not touch, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then what I did was I got one of those screw on lids and then I have air holes drilled in with a uh, step drill bit. Thank you, Henry Martinez. Um, a step drill bit that drilled perfect little air holes for ventilation. And at the same time, if I have to put a hook in there and use the hook to turn it, it's the same diameter as the tip of a snake hook. Um, it still has the handle, so I can use a snake hook to lift the handle to me if need be. And then I also drilled a slightly larger hole in the side that comes out through the top of the threaded lid. So if I want to put a bike lock through it and lock the uh, lid shut. Yeah. Now, obviously, if someone wants to unscrew it, they're right. going to unscrew it. But at least it's going to deter someone and say, wait, why is this locked? And then they're going to hopefully see the label. God forbid. I mean, I can't imagine anyone near it without me standing there, you know, but shit happens. Um, but I keep that in my car now. Um, I used to keep a wooden crate that was an actual hot box that said, you know, danger of venomous reptiles and we had screening in it and everything else. But it's just so heavy and cumbersome. And it well, those doesn't... also, if you keep them in the back of your car, like in the summer, especially down here, like that wood warp. Exactly. So I, I had one in it. It after like a year or two of riding the back of a car, it just the it was all wonky and yeah, yeah, warped. bowed out. Yeah. Yep. So and again, if the bucket's crappy, I'll just throw it away and I'll get another one. You know, or I'll repurpose it for substrate or something. You know, give it to my dad for landscaping. I don't know. Um, but inside that bucket, I keep at all times at least two or three clean snake bags or pillowcases. And then I'll also have my quintessential Fiji water bottle with air holes applied appropriately. So, and that way, if I, there's a pygmy that I decide I want to take home, or there's a cool water snake that I want to take home for one of you guys who like Nerodia because you're crazy. Freaks. Freaks. Um, and then I have, I have one Fiji water bottle that's like perfectly clean and like not scratched up and nice. And I keep in the door of my car. And that's for when I find, when I finally find, my baby Everglades rat snake. He's going right in that bottle. Yeah, the bucket's uh, pretty much all I keep. And I wasn't there something about drilling air holes 
under that rim. For some reason, I remember like uh, the, so you have the screw on lid, right? Right. But you have that lip where the like the handle those go in. Yeah. For some reason, I remember someone mentioning something about drilling holes through like at an angle, maybe through so it's under that lip, so you don't have to worry necessarily about getting fingers. Yes, yes, that is a hundred percent. Yes. Yeah, you're drill you're drilling the hole at an angle upward. So that God forbid the snake strikes the hole, the fang, even if the fang goes in the hole, it's not a straight through still hole. Still like a shield kind you, of deal. You're still protected because the fang's coming this way, right? Mm -hmm. It's and it's not going in like that. Yeah, so. I need to do that with this one still. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, you can never have too many snake hooks and I'm I'm with you on the whole you want to keep it in your room and keep it pretty and keep it nice but at the same time I'm happy that my snake hooks have scratches and dings and wear and tear on them cuz you know I I use them legitimately you know Well that size is perfect for the room too cuz I use it for the the cyania you know which aren't small anymore I use it for the Jansen I when I have to um, Right It's the perfect length cuz it's not so long that it's like clunky knocking stuff over when I'm trying to do things like it's it's the perfect I do like the fact that it has reflective tape on it so that if you are herping at night and you know for whatever reason you lay it down in tall grass or something um so I think that's something I, I do want to do with my other hooks is get a roll of just reflective tape and just put a little band of it you know, yeah at the base of the handle yeah uh, it can't hurt it can't hurt I uh I have I bought the travel series from Venom Life Gear and that has become the wrinkles hook because it's just long enough to keep me at, at arm's distance. Um, but it's short enough that I can just go and grab a tail real quick. Yeah. You know what I mean? I can bring a tail to me real quick. I don't have to like overreach, you know? And then I usually keep a 40 inch hook next to me in, in case things go haywire, you know? So, yeah, those really are great for because my concern was, you know, it's called the travel hook because it can fit in most suitcases. And uh, sure enough. You know, it fit in my bag fine. Yeah. And I was like, that's awesome. Because it's, like you said, it's not super short, but it's not super long. It's like yeah. just the right length to where it does what you need it to do. Um, so right. I, mean, like, I highly recommend it. And it's, we've got the uh, the bullet point on it. So it, it rolls a little better. You know, there's yeah. mechanics there with the tip of a hook. Of course. That's uh does make a difference, I think. It's overlooked. 100%. 100%. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's great because you have so much versatility in all of our tools. And that's like anybody who watched um, Venom Aesthetica videos, episode two, which I'm just working on three, nobody yell at me. Um, the tools episode, I try to cover all the different hooks that are commonly found nowadays. Um, and it just, it behooves you to have a, a good selection of tools to work with. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could do everything around the house with one hammer and one screwdriver, but wouldn't it be better if you had different sizes? You know what I mean? So. Well, that's why I like having that smaller Viper Series hook in the car, too, because, you know, not everything's going to be massive. You know, it's perfect size for coral snakes, small, small copperheads, stuff like that. Um, coral snakes. Corals. I'm really hoping this year's the year that I actually come across some. I know some people think that they're overrated and they see them all the time, but damn it. I want to see one, a live one at that. Yeah, you're preaching the choir, pal. 
And you said on the Venom Exchange that you've never come across a Copperhead? Yeah. Um, I, the only one I've ever seen in the wild was DOR in South Carolina in Myrtle Beach. I was leaving. I was I was with um, – who was I with? I can't even remember. It was the night before the first day of the Myrtle Beach Expo, and everyone was like, let's all go field herping. And my one buddy was like, oh, I know this one road around here. I was like, really? You do? He's like, yeah. And I think he – I think he Googled it like the night before and uh, it started drizzling and we didn't see a single living thing except for one completely flattened paper thin Southern copperhead. <laughs> I had that little tiny one in the front yard uh, a couple months ago. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Hadn't seen one that small in a minute. <clears throat> so going back to, quintessential herping tools dylan said it said it best bug repellent for those of you who are unaware where justin and i live the mosquitoes will carry you away i am a firm, state bird it's the state bird i am a firm what's the word i'm looking for i will 100 percent vouch and endorse Thermocell. Oh, I just got one. We just got one for Christmas to put on the uh, the side porch. These things are amazing. Thermocell is a lifesaver. I have literally been sitting in a cypress swamp, head to toe camouflage in the middle of March, turkey hunting to the point where I gave myself away because I was being murdered and destroyed, death by a thousand pokes of mosquitoes. Oh, look at that. Patio shield. No mosquitoes. Yeah. So for those of you who are unaware, Thermocell is a odorless, butane-powered mosquito repellent. Essentially, there are two components to its use. There's the main device, apparently and then... This lady thinks it's just the funniest thing. Apparently, yes. They look like they're having a grand old time in the Hamptons. So... Essentially, you have these little blue cards. These blue cards are inserted into the thermocell device, and a butane cartridge is inserted into the device as well. There is a small pilot light, almost like you'd have on your oven, and a starter. So you turn on the butane, let the gas start to flow, click your starter a couple times, it'll light, and now underneath that blue cartridge, or that blue card, is a hot plate. That hot plate burns away whatever chemicals on that card, um, and it keeps mosquitoes away for about 10, 15 feet. When I'm driving through the glades, I will leave it on my dashboard and keep my windows down, and no bugs go in the car. When I'm walking through the Everglades, I will clip it onto my backpack or clip it on my waistline, on my belt, and I am mosquito-free. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not completely proof. Um, but it does a hell, hell of a good job. It does a hell of a job. And this isn't like the one that Phil's talking about. This is one that's made right. for like a table outside. Phil's talking about one. Is it like the one that looks kind of like a like a remote almost? Yeah, it, it almost looks like a uh, almost looks like a like an old Sega Genesis kind of. Not Sega Genesis. I'm sorry, Game Gear. Like yeah, a big, yeah, yeah. like a like a like a Nintendo Switch almost. Live so. life outdoors. But yeah, thermosel can spoil. You can buy it. 
You can buy it anywhere. It's at Walmart. It's at Target. It's at your grocery store. It's on Amazon. It's everywhere. Buy extra cartridges. Put extra cartridge packs in your backpack. Put it in your trunk of your car. I need to buy stock in Thermocell. We need to be sponsored by them as well because they are the only thing keeping me alive in South Florida. Says this accepts up to four fuel cartridges for 48 hours of fuel runtime. Wow. Yeah. It's like industrial strength. Says it, the mats contain allothrin. When heated by the butane cartridge, the allothrin is emitted into the surrounding area. This says it's like a 15 foot by 15 foot zone. Yeah, but that, that, it's not really 15 feet. It works. Don't be a hater, Phil. It works, but not 15 feet. I don't know. This thing's pretty big. Yeah, but the cartridge is the same size. <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess. Yes, and Anna Maria bought me a brand new one. So we are ready to rock and roll to go herping. They're yeah. awesome, man. Can't can't speak highly enough about them. Uh, Scott did bring up a good point, and he said the big issue with uh, bug repellent in general is you know if you're catching frogs and stuff, and you're working with frogs, yeah, making sure it's not on your hands and that your hands yeah, are clean. And that's and that's why I don't like bug spray. I, I never liked bug spray. I don't like DEET. I know Dylan says DEET's amazing. It can't be beat. I get it. It does work like a son of a gun. Um, I don't like it. I don't want to spray aerosol on me and have be all greasy and gross. Yeah, I don't like the feeling of it. That's my yeah, thing. It smells horrible. And I feel really bad about hosing myself down in a natural area. You know what I mean? Because how long is it going to last? What's it doing to the runoff? As soon as it rains, it's getting into the soil. And ugh, it's just, I feel like I'm poisoning wilderness when I spray it. But it does work. I think that's that's by design. Yeah. We're like, we're going to keep every single living thing off of you. Yeah, right. Oh, man. But yeah, Thermocell, get it, use it, love it. Definitely. I can't believe I forgot that. Oof, I've forgotten so much stuff, but I never forget the thermosel. So, uh, I'm trying to think what else we're forgetting. Spare set of sunglasses. Transition lenses. I had some of those in high school. Nice. I was cool as hell. Nice. Couldn't keep the ladies away. <laughs> Katie actually gives me a hard time. She 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 teases me about that still nice i when i was a little kid when i was like 10 i had the ones that were they clipped onto your normal glasses because i wear contacts every day. yeah clips on normal glasses and then they flip up <laughs> you know i had those i wear clip-ons my old man clip-ons nice steve pool says that deet compromised the membrane for his gore-tex boots over time i believe that i do it's basically just battery acid, right? Something like that. But it works. That it does work. The uh, Going back to the hook thing, um, I feel like I was thinking about like when we were in West Texas and like I, I'm pretty sure I used the field hook probably the most of everything. 
and I can't remember who said it earlier in the chat, but they're like, yeah, use it as a walking stick. But we definitely did. We used the hooks for everything, man. I'm so happy that I, I brought them with us, you know, because especially the M1 tongs when we had that rattlesnake, oof. Mm-hmm. Or, pff, most of the rattlesnakes, crap. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's something about the L hook design that I just like so much more than just regular hooks. Yeah. I like that that hard corner. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Like I there was a point where I'd asked Woody if he could make the Viper series into like an L shape so that you literally had like a mini L hook. He can. I need to talk to him about it again. Yeah, yeah, 100 percent I'd mentioned can. it to him and I just like that's like I I just I don't know. I just over time I think you you play with enough hooks and stuff, you you kind of learn what you what you like and prefer in a hook. Yeah. And for me, just that L hook, I just I like it. That's yeah. I think the problem with having the L hook on a smaller shaft like that is the ability to bend the angle more is, is I don't know if it's compromising, but it's much more difficult. So you're more prone to have the animal slide back onto the shaft than you are a traditional hook. Yeah. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I think it's fine if it's, if you're keeping the handle end pointed upward, but the minute you bring that handle end down, you run a risk of the thing sliding and just right. hitting you in the hand. Yeah. I mean, I'm not using it for anything, uh, anything dangerous, but it's yeah. just handy, you know, sure. for the the colubrids and the stuff that are spazzy and quick. You know, it's uh, I don't yeah. know. I just I like it. It's it's definitely a, the L shape is definitely a high speed hook. Mm-hmm. So, oh man, I'm trying to think. Uh, what so else? Christina said, I use Vet's Best Flea Spray for dogs. It's not a chemical shitstorm. Works pretty good. I have crazy sensitive skin, so I can't use most sprays. Anyway. Works on plant pests, too. Nice. That's good. Come to think of it, I think I have to buy more Thermocell cartridges. It's crazy, man, because this time of year, there's we really don't go herping. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I've been seeing some people finding some stuff. Yeah, man. We've been getting some cold snaps, and Anna Marie and I went out, uh, was it last week? We went out to the cane fields. It was supposed to be chilly, and it wasn't, and there was nothing. Didn't even see a cane toad. It was like 65 last night, and then this morning. Like It's been cold here today. It's, I mean, it's probably low 40s right now. Wow. And... You know, I'm glad I didn't warm things up when I was thinking about doing it. You know, fortunately, Jake looked at the weather and was like, dude, don't warm them up yet. We're getting more cold weather. But I'm planning to warm stuff up this weekend. All right, cool. So probably just I, th- I think I'm going to leave the the bimaculata and the Dion's down. I'm going to give them a little extra time, maybe an extra two or three weeks, maybe a month. Um, depending on what the weather does, if it starts to heat up again, I'm probably just going to go ahead and pull them out. But corns and bears and stuff, I'll just go ahead and pull them and. I, uh, fortunately I made another, uh, mouse rack where my dad helped me because he's an engineer and I'm, I'm not, <laughs> nice. um, so I helped him. It was kind of like the equivalent of holding the flashlight. Um, it's still good. It's the thought that counts. So, well, we, we listened to Venom Exchange Radio while we did it and, um, that'll be nice because now me and Jake can really amp up production on the mice front and I feel like right now we do enough, just barely enough for both of us. You know, he still orders rats and stuff because he needs that for his bigger bigger pythons and whatnot. But um, that's kind of the issue is, like, I had a, a water 
reservoir problem with the lines and my, my, my two mice racks that I have currently. And I ended up losing a handful of adults, which put a dent and sort of set me back as far as production goes with, with babies and, and yeah. things like that. So I need to wake them up, but I also don't have anything to really feed them of size. So if Jake places a mouse order, I'm probably gonna have to give him some money to order me a, you know, 50 or so adults so I can start getting some stuff in, in them. Okay. Getting them ready for the season. Tis the season. I'm freaking ready, man. So Billy Jenkins wants to know what are some road cruising tips in general? Um, first thing that comes to mind, learn your area, learn the roads. Um, if it's nature trails or not nature trails, but if it's, if it's off road or, you know, unpaved road, get a map, an actual paper map of those roads. So that way, if you lose cell service, you lose signal, you have a paper map and you know where you're going and you know how to get out of where you're going. Because I can't tell you how many times people run out of gas trying to just to find the exit of an area. Um, definitely have a paper map in that regard and just learn where you're going. Um, I like to look for stuff. Obviously, this is from my area. This is, does not pertain to arid desert whatever mount montane whatever but in east coast stuff i prefer to have a road that has good grass on either side um if it's freshly cut it doesn't mean there isn't stuff there but the lawn mowers have clearly scared a lot of stuff away um well, that, also, they probably go there regularly too yeah exactly it's maintained uh, it's maintained right um i also like to have some kind of water source nearby so a road that has a lake next to it or a road that has some marshland next to it or a road that has a canal that runs parallel with it. Um, that's always a good indicator, too. Um, I also try and stay away from uh, uh, unpaved roads that are graded often. Um, mm -hmm. When they grade the roads and they, they, they're basically scraping the roads to be flat. And what happens is you make these little walls, these little hills on either side of the road. And a lot of snakes are apprehensive to go into, like, go over the little hill onto the road simply because it's harder for them to get back out. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen snakes come, if this is the hill on the side of the road and this is the grass and this is the pavement, I've seen snakes come up and bask like this, but they won't go over the top of the hill. So I try to avoid roads that have just been graded or you can kind of tell it's still fresh in some regard, uh, some regard. Um, I'm trying to think on any kind of basic tips. Um, go slow for your first few times. You don't have to crawl and idle, but don't try and go road cruising at 50 miles an hour because you, you haven't really got a, a feel for it or an eye for what you're looking for. Um, and then as time Especially goes if on, Bill is driving. <laughs> um, and at the same time you're going to learn as time goes on what to look for in terms of what snakes look like what and I can't tell you how many times uh, i.e. West Texas I passed stuff or I drove over stuff you know, or I had to swerve last minute so I didn't squish them um, but at the same time I don't like to tell people oh no just idle just idle because if it's a, a high-speed snake, like some kind of colubrid or something, it's going to see the car coming and go, oh, crap, a car, and it's going to run away. So 
one of the cool things about road cruising is you kind of get the jump on them, but you don't want to go so fast that you're either going to hit them or you're going to miss them. There's like a happy medium depending on where you're at and what speed you're going. You know, I also am a firm believer in checking your tires frequently and making sure the air is at an appropriate level. And by that, and people may yell at me for this, and by that, that means not having the tire full to the perfect amount. So if your tires are in your sedan are set to 45 you know, PSI, ideally for me, 32 to 35 would be perfect because they have a little give to them. You know what I mean? There's a little bit of give if you're going to go over rocks and gravel and crap like that you're less prone to have it pop or get damaged because it has a little give to it. Now, when you go below 30, now you're getting into danger zone. I would not recommend that at all. So making sure that your air and your tires is appropriate, especially if you're just having normal street tires, normal sedan tires. <laughs> yeah, we learned that the hard way too. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> we were all yeah. screaming at the door as if that was going to somehow make it open faster. Yeah. Yeah, I learned real quick in my Subaru with the automatic locks. What a pain in the ass. I love my Subaru. This is my fifth one. I swear by them, but those stupid automatic locks. Hi, Dominique. Thank you for the compliment. <laughs> yes, Scott says, make sure the car is stopped before jumping out. I think we've all done that at some point, especially if we're driving. <laughs> Put it in park. <laughs> so... Me and, other... Jake are, me and Jake are planning to, to get out and, and do some road cruising. We say that every year, but I feel like this year I'm going to make a point to make sure it actually happens. Well, dude, he's been killing it prior to, prior to you know, it getting a little chillier. Dude, he was going a lot. He's man. got really, yeah, he's got really good spots too. So. And dude, it, I feel like he's bogarting his photography. What do you mean? Like, he, I know he's taking pictures. He hasn't been posting them. I don't think he's, he hasn't been out enough to... Like he, okay. yeah, I think the a couple times he's been out, he hasn't taken his camera. Mm. Like he would go take those pictures when they were out actually hiking and stuff, but when he's road cruising and whatnot. Yeah, um, he doesn't have it with him. I get it. I get it. Any other road cruising tips that you think of off the top of your head? Best time to go. Species specific. In general, though, when you go, do you usually go after it rains? Do you go like directly after it rains or do you go a little bit after it rains? Like, do you give it some time? Well, it depends. So, uh, all right. South Florida specifically, uh, taking the human element out of it, South Florida's ecosystem has the ability to change every seven feet. So in seven feet, you can go from being high elevation saw palmetto to low elevation, you know, cypress swamp. Mm -hmm. um, it happens very quickly and it's very sporadic. Um, so depending on the key species that I'm looking for, I'll check the weather of where I want to go because it may be completely opposite of where I am now. Right. Right. So so like, let's say Anna Marie and I are going to go to the cane fields. We're going to look for pygmy rattlesnakes. I'll check a couple of the local towns by the cane fields. And if it's raining at four in the afternoon, 
and I can kind of get like the weather app prediction of when it's going to stop and it's going to stop by five or five thirty, then that's primo because all the frogs and toads are going to come out. Some of the snakes are going to come out. The birds might be out now just because it's raining in Boca doesn't mean it ever rained in Clewiston. You right. see what I'm saying? So that hour away drive, it may, it may have never rained the entire day. So I really, I, I'm a firm believer in getting your, your, your radar app and your weather apps and, and learning where you're going and try and try and map out an idea best you can in terms of the weather. Um, now, if I was looking for scarlet snakes or coral snakes and it was, you know, raining in West Palm, I'll go when it's raining in West Palm because the minute it stops raining, all those fossorial snakes, they're going to come right up and out, you know, but I, again, I've never found a coral ever so uh, scott mentioned a new moon like moon phases actually this is something I, I learned actually not that long ago um with that book that uh mike pingleton and and josh i think holbrook is his last name wrote right they had a section that talked about the moon phases and stuff and it actually makes complete sense you know when you have a full moon you're not likely to find anything because everything's so lit up by that moon it leaves you know all these species over time they've adapted to learn like full moon means birds of prey can see me owls right. you know right um so it makes complete sense so that's now something i kind of pay attention to too if i'm if i decide oh, yeah. to go cruise and on my way home from work i'll go through you know my parents live kind of out in a rural neighborhood and there's a lot of good roads out there and yeah. usually i'll just i'll go cruise through there briefly on my way home from work and if it's a if it's a full moon i won't bother but yeah um, <clears throat> yeah so when road cruising, are you allowed two sticks before required to produce a snake? This is a fantastic rule. So I give people three sticks, three sticks and a shadow. And when it is a stick, you're required to say, and I quote, damn, that's a good looking stick. <laughs> because everyone's allowed three, but after that, you must produce a snake. So... It's funny. I actually, uh, I keep saying, I keep telling Billy to make this shirt and we're going to make this shirt eventually. I want to get, I'm not a Jeep guy. I'm, I'm not, I'm Subaru for life, but Jeep has that iconic grill, you know, and they use that grill as like their silhouette slogan, silhouette logo, right? I want a shirt that has that silhouette Jeep grill with the headlights casting light on the road in front of it. And it's just a stick. And it says, damn, that's a good looking stick. I want a shirt that says that. So I'm sure only, we can find someone to do it. Yeah, exactly. And only herpers would get it. And that's the best part. So, but sticks, belts. Yeah. Garbage bags, you know, bodies, a, a engine belts. Um, one thing I will say is, be mindful of what direction you're going in, in terms of the sun being in your face or at your back, <laughs> uh, because you feel like will, being blinded. Well, not even the blinded. It's it's going to produce more shadows. Mm -hmm. So if you're on a unpaved road and you're driving into the sun, I would rather drive into the sun on a dirt road than away from it. Because when I'm driving into it, yeah, it's harder to see because the sun's in your face, but the silhouette shadow of the snakes is going to be that much more prominent because you're seeing you're you're on their you're on the shadow's side. Does that right. make sense? 
right? Mm-hmm. So I prefer to see that. I prefer to see that thicker shadow, right? Opposed to a thinner snake silhouette or snake, you know, visually seeing the snake, if that makes any sense. You're using the shadows to your advantage. It makes sense. Yeah. And I will say, depending on where you are, um, make note of plants on the side of the road. Like, for example, by me, we have a lot of creeper vine that comes out of the grass. Well, is it a creeper vine that has no leaves because it's, you know, on its last leg? Or is it a rough green snake? You know, learn that uh, uh, if you see a lot of... uh, they're not carpenter ants. What the hell ants are they? If you see a lot of ant mounds in a line on the road, you'll also notice that Nerodia will emulate that line. And you'll be like, oh, it's just another ant pile. I'm like, wait a minute. That ant pile has lifted its head up in the air to smell the air. So that's probably a snake. And then you pull up and sure as hell, you know, it's a, you know, Nerodia or, or a pygmy or something. So... Horn lizard. Horn lizard, right? I wish. Take me back to Pinto Canyon. Yep. That's a good shirt. Take me back to Pinto Canyon. Just have like a horn toad, just like, <laughs> you know? That'd be great. <laughs> that would be great. That'd be great. Do like one of those, like, uh, uh, all one color, like Patagonia style shirts. That'd be hilarious. That'd be great. I love it. Everyone's listing things they see on the side of the road. <laughs> Pieces of tire, worms, and DORs. Yeah. I give you a split second of hope every pass. And I will say this. If you encounter other herpers, obviously be kind to them. Be kind to everyone. But be careful because Casey and I had some run-ins with some very interesting herpers. And it got real dangerous real quick with people that shouldn't be handling venomous snakes. So... Be mindful of what's what. I mean, Casey, I think, is the real problem there because Casey just runs off. <laughs> no, Casey's good. Gotta have like a microchip him or something so we can find him if he just takes off and disappears. I'm going to get him the little monkey backpack that's on a lanyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, Casey's great. I love road cruising Casey because Casey's got great eyes. You know, we, he, he wears glasses on occasion and whether he has glasses or not, he just he just knows what to look for, man. Casey's great. Casey spots him way before I do. So any like old dilapidated house or building. Oh, like yeah. Casey's all up in it. And all like, in this it. is so cool. I'm like, you're out of your mind. You're going to get yeah. attacked by a crackhead or you're going to get possessed by a demon. Yeah. Oh, and that's that. by the way, that same road that we were had that that creepy ass pump house. I didn't realize this, but on the other side of that canal. There's two more of them, and I haven't gone exploring. I need Casey to come back down and, and check it out with me because I, I don't want to go in there by myself, man. It's sketch. <laughs> yeah. It's super sketch, you know? So. <clears throat> no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> what else, man? We missing anything? Bang. Bang. Banging monster. Banging cigars. Monster. Yeah. Got to drink a monster. Our is worth its uh, weight in gold. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's another thing, too, is have some kind of, if you are smoking in the wilderness, have some kind of uh, snuffing vessel 
uh, cigar, it's not that big a deal. You can always snuff it out on the dirt road if you want. You know, it's 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 tobacco. It's natural. It's biodegradable. But cigarettes, your little cotton filters, man. I try my damnedest to not flick them out the window in in the woods because I don't want to leave little cotton cigarette butts everywhere. It's not cool. Um, but at the same time, be mindful if you're smoking out in the wilderness. Be mindful of brush fires. Whether you live on the west coast of the United States or you're in the outback or you're in you know the grasslands in Florida, be mindful that you're not starting a wildfire unintentionally uh so many times we ash out the window as we're driving and those embers fly and they may land in the wrong pile of leaves and now you got a big problem in your hands so dylan asked about water what's water <laughs> yeah right uh yeah i have in my backpack i well, i always bring fiji water for a multitude yeah. of reasons but <laughs> i also have a life straw life oh, straw yeah. is awesome and then i was just watching um have you ever used it no i've never used yeah, it i've, have I've you played ever it out no i played with one but uh i've never i've never used it um i've also seen i think it was Garantham had it i guess it's it's a device that you attach onto a water bottle and you pour your contaminated water through the filter into your bladder or your water bottle Hmm. And I thought that was really cool. But again, that's not as minimalistic as a life straw. It's it's a lot more cumbersome. It's it's baseball sized. But at the same time, if you have a large pack, it, it seems like it'd be a, a inconsequential, you know, thing. God only knows what that uh that South Florida black water tastes like. Oh yeah, dude. Pack full O amoeba. Well, so. would you rather die of dehydration or get a little worm? Uh, exactly. I would definitely get the worm. Tom Could said she has the Life Straw water bottle and she used it in South America. That's cool. That's cool. The wilds of Peru. Yeah. She needs to show those pictures off more often, man. That she has a hell of an adventure. <laughs> We need so. to go. Yeah, eventually. Eventually. Well, sir, we're at 150-something. We are. It is that time. It is that time. I hope that the listeners for this enjoyed us rambling about field herping nonsense. I'm sure Nipper's going to ream me a new butt when he hears this. You forgot this, and you forgot that, and stop road cruising. Yeah, he's like, you're not really herping if you're not out for six months with no contact with the outside world. Because <laughs> we're not all as cool as Nipper. Yeah, well, I think the other thing, too, is a lot of the places he's going don't necessarily have the road system that we have. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Don't, don't encourage him. I know. I know. Uh, well... This show was brought to you once again by Puget Sound Pythons. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Please give them a follow. Uh, I've redone the description copy and paste stuff, so their link should be down below. Blackbox as well. Check them out. Facebook, Instagram. um, Blackboxcages.com. Check it out. 100%. Um, Field guides. Scott mentioned those earlier too. And we oh yeah. Failed to mention that. Field guides are, are handy. 
and, and especially if you're for, in a country you don't know what everything is yes and not just for snakes and reptiles and amphibians uh plant life insects any kind of arthropods stuff that you don't want to get bit by stuff that you don't want to touch and or eat definitely we're talking to you people who post pictures holding blue ringed octopus yeah yeah what was scott talking about those suicide bushes Oof. yeah how's that it's this plant that they got in queensland that i guess has like nematocysts that oh. will, will destroy your world Yeesh. i mean it's australia of course they do even the yeah. bushes will freaking kill you yeah of course everyone in that country's tough they gotta be because you walk out your front door and there's 50 things that could kill you within seconds yeah fucking kangaroos the deer of the outback. The deer of the outback. All right, kids. All right. We'll see you next week. Thank you, everyone. THP should be back Thursday. Jake has COVID, but he should be good to go by then. So we will talk to everybody once again Thursday night. And uh, we'll see you later. Bye.